Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your one-stop shop for raising kids in this tech-heavy world. We bring on professionals and experts to give you all the tools you need to help your kids become fire-breathing warriors that have the strength to break out of the mold society has put them in. At the end of the day, we're all here for one reason, to help save some kids. I'm your host, Nate Webb. Let's get to it. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Save the Kids podcast. It's your host, Nate Webb, live in studio, Salt Lake City area, and today I have a treat for us. So it's no secret, our kids are distracted. Smartphones, social media, screens in general are in a constant battle for our kids' attention. And our kids and their mental health are paying the price, and they're being taken as collateral in the battleground for their attention. And so to help us understand more how we can help our kids, I reached out to renowned speaker, author, psychotherapist, Tom Kirsting. So welcome, welcome to the show, man. Happy to have you here. Hey, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah. So first of all, where are you coming at us from, man? So I'm right outside. I'm in New Jersey, about a half hour from New York City. Ooh, okay. So is it, it is not super, oh, oh no, we're, we're earlier than you are. You're like, what, eight o'clock? Nine o'clock? Uh, nine, right now, nine o'clock. Very nine nice. Very nice. And so um, so your your book, Disconnected, How to Reconnect Our Digitally Distracted Kids, that's kind of how I connected with you. I was able to see bits and pieces of it online. Uh, someone else posted about it. I can't even remember who. Um, and I was looking at it and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to talk to this guy. Um, because so many of the things, I was like, I feel so validated. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a high school counselor. Um, and so I see a lot of the effects of screens on our kids, not just like with their, their attention wise, but like lack of sleep and all the other things that are affecting them. And so when I saw your book about, you know, reconnecting with our digitally distracted kids, it really, really like resonated with me. But I'm curious, how did this book come to pass? Because you have quite the long resume, man. You're, I mean, you're a very established psychotherapist and all these other things. How did this book come to pass? What's the story there? So check this out. So I was a school counselor as well for 25 years. All right. Yes, I did both. I had my, you know, I was working at a school and I started my private practice many years ago. And um, so I'm kind of a pioneer in this space. And, it's, and it started in 2008, believe it or not, as a school counselor. I used to run a committee called the 504 Committee, uh-huh. which is uh, that gives accommodations for kids that have impairments and so forth. Right, and, right, right. Uh, yeah. So 2009, September 2009, and, you know, the typical impairments we saw, I talk about this and disconnected, by the way, you know, we'd see kids that had like physical disabilities and, you know, Crohn's disease, diabetes, right. and, you know, we provide them accommodation. And then September 2009, for the first time in my career, I, we had a, you know, a parent come in and tell us that their teenage boy was just diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. And then I was kind of puzzled by that because anybody listening, uh, we hear about ADHD all the time. But ADHD is a neurological condition that you are born with. And the average age of diagnosis is eight years old. And if you have a child that has ADHD, you can't, can't not notice it by the time they're five. So here we had a 14-year-old. <laughs> yeah. And then long story short, from that point on, for the rest of the school year, every referral that we had just about was for teenagers that were diagnosed with ADHD, which led me to research all that pointed to brain neuroplasticity from spending too much time in front of screens, changing the, the pathways in, in the brains, causing the symptoms of uh, of disorganization, lack of focus and inattentiveness. And that's where it, that's where it started for me. So for, for the non psychology nerds out there, um, what is brain plasticity and why is that important? Yeah. So neuroplasticity is actually the greatest breakthrough 
uh, breakthrough in modern day psychology. And it, and it, and it, what it means is that the brain, like a piece of plastic can be manipulated, right? So if I had a real hard piece of plastic and I took a blowtorch to it, I could melt it and I could shape it. So the brain, that's hence the term plasticity, the way that the way the brain works is any human brain that is engaged in anything considered highly stimulating for three hours or more per day, the brain will grow new neural pathways. Those are the electrical impulses that are critical to human functionality, right? Mm-hmm. To be a good listener, to be a good speaker, you know, all these other things. Um, so like I said, three or more hours a day, the, you know, the brain will, will shift to that. Problem is kids are spending nine hours a day, Oof. three times out of about seven days a week in the most highly stimulating world. And it is now changing and rerouting the pathways in their brain and then and leading to these symptoms of inattentiveness, lack of focus. And there's a term that's an unofficial term that I came across many years ago called acquired attention deficit disorder. Yeah. Meaning we'll have the symptoms. These kids have the symptoms. They get the diagnosis, but they're not, they don't really actually have the neurological condition. Right, right. So learn behavior, essentially. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, so when we, when we meet with our freshmen, right, we do our CCRs or our, our SEOPs, whatever they used to be called, right? Meet with our kids one-on-one. Um, we, I go over digital time on their phone because a lot of them, they come to me, they're like, I got to get out of this class. You know, I can't focus. This is teacher. This is that. I'm like, let's look at your screen time real quick. And I, I yeah. kid you not, I kid you not, an average day, five, six hours, easy, easy. That, easy. That's just on the phone. That's, that's just, just on, on the phone. phone. That's not even staring yeah. at the Chromebooks all the time. Like all those other things there. I mean, they're, they're blasting <laughs> blue lights day in, day out. And then we, and, and, and we look at the screen time. Okay. Let's just set a goal to maybe let's go down by just one hour. Just one. Let's take that five to a four. That's a horrible goal, but let's take that five to a four just and even just taking one hour off that time kids come back they're like whoa i can focus just a little bit better it's weird i'm like yeah yeah Yeah, right you know the problem is that you know they're born into this generation so you know you're looking at the four or five so it's like their brain is lit up like a christmas tree all day and now you got to sit in a class right and listen to you know a, a teacher talk about u.s history or whatever and that brain is craving that other stimulation you know, mm-hmm. making it difficult to actually concentrate on a task at hand. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I feel like, and it, Oh no, go for it. Go for quick, it. You mentioned the sleep stuff too, right? So I retired. I did 25 years in public education as a counselor, right? I retired almost three years ago. And the last two years that I was working as a school counselor, I, I collected some data from about a hundred students, right? T, uh, high school students. And I asked them the following question. I told them it wouldn't leave my office. You know, it's confidential. I'm not even going to use their name. I just want to collect some data. Right. And I asked them the following question. The question I asked is, what time do you go to sleep at night? Oh. And literally 90 something out of the 100 students told me they go to sleep between 1 and 4 a.m. every night of the school week and that their parents had no idea. And it's because yeah. that phone is bedroom with them. Oh, yeah. Well, and our brains, right, they have circadian rhythm, you know, telling us it's light outside, be awake. It's dark. It's dark outside now. Be asleep when they're blasted with that blue light all the time. And then they, they're like, all right, I'm going to go to bed now. Put their phone down. Their brain's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. It was just like two seconds ago. I, I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed. How do I solve world hunger? Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It doesn't slow down. And yeah, the kids right. are like, why, why can't I sleep? Well, hmm. Yeah, and it's um, also the FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. You know, they're, oh, yeah. They're sitting in their bedroom, you know, on a chat or whatever they're doing. And, you know, it's like they, they it's like this legitimate fear of like, if I take myself out of this and go to sleep, I'm actually going to be you know, going to be like banned from the group or something, you know, and it's just, they can't, you know, get, and, and just the, the lore of, the, of these TikTok videos and YouTube, you know, it really targets that pleasure seeking part of the brain that produces dopamine. And it's like, 
they, oh, yeah. they have this never ending, you know, chasing of dopamine that, that they don't know it's happening. And it's certainly interfering with their sleep. Oh, yeah. And I mean, sleep is probably the most underrated protection of mental health ever, period, dot, ever, because yeah. people don't people don't realize like your sleep is where your brain reconnects with its pathways. It's where it heals. It's where your body recharges. And when you don't do that, it leaves you more vulnerable to depression, anxiety, suicidality, and all these other symptoms that we we're talking about earlier, too, with like ADHD like symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm lecturing, you know, I, I go all over the country and I, I give lectures on this topic and, uh, you know, to parents and kids. But when I'm speaking to parents, you know, I talk to them, you know, I explain that's, you know, starting in 2012, the mental health epidemic skyrocketed the amount of anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, suicides, and so forth. And it was, and it's been, and it's, you know, I'm like one of the first people to, to say that it's because of the phones before the research even came out. And mm-hmm. now all the research supports that. Um, and I give, a, and I give the reasons why, you know, kids get this phone when they're in a vulnerable stage of adolescence and they, they're trying to fit in in a social pecking order. And, you know, it's really affecting their, you know, their self-esteem and it's triggering anxiety because they're falling behind in school and this and that and so forth. They feel like they're not, you know, that being left out of the, from, from this activity and so forth. And after I'm done, you know, talking about that more in depth, I say to the parents in the audience, I say, all right, forget I even mentioned any of that stuff, you know, the, the behind, behind the scenes cause of all this anxiety. Mm-hmm. And we just focus on the sleep problem, right? That alone is going to trigger major anxiety disorders. Yeah. Sleep deprivation. We actually have a sleep deprivation epidemic among youth in our country right now. Oh yeah. Big time. Like the kids that go to bed at like one or two in the morning, they're going to bed kind of early for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah. You, you get a kid, you know, they're getting like four or five hours of sleep in some cases, you know, every night and they really need, you know, eight to nine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Eight to nine, 10. I mean, <laughs> I wish yeah. my, my four-year-old gets, gets 10 to 10 to 12. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, can you do this forever, please? Yeah, right? I know. He's, he's Adam. Sorry. You're never going to have a phone in your room. Um, so, but so something that I've been thinking about is our kids and their ability to be creative and their ability to think for themselves, their ability to shape their own thoughts and how I feel like social media is really and screens in general are really impacting their ability to shape their own thoughts because I feel like it's well, kind of doing it for them. Well, that's a really, you know what? I'm so glad you brought that up because one, a quote that I use all the time that uh, that's from uh, the, the 19th century philosopher, uh, German philosopher by the name of Nietzsche. He had a quote that goes like this. I don't know anything about philosophy. I just saw this quote and I was like, whoa, it made sense for me. Um, right. And the quote goes like this. We are under the presumption that we are thinking but in reality, we are being thought. So it's kind of a play on words. And what he means by being thought is that we are being controlled by thought and our mm-hmm. thoughts are being controlled for us, right? Yeah. So, you know, we have this subconscious mind and, we, and about 90, 95% of all of our thinking comes from that part of the mind. And that, so we have about 60,000 thoughts a day coming from that subconscious. Anytime we're staring at a screen, right? We're in a very vulnerable trans-like hypnotic state, believe it or not. Meaning that any information that's being directed to us because we're in that subtle hypnotic state uh, bypasses the conscious critical mind and goes directly into the the um, uncritical subconscious part of the mind. So all of this information funneled and it's the algorithms are directed, you know, are, are right to that person's desires. All of this information is literally just going directly into these very vulnerable, impressionable subconscious minds of these kids. And it formulates their beliefs, right? Their actual beliefs. And some of which are just mind boggling. That's crazy. <clears throat> That's crazy. And a lot of kids, it's sad that, I mean, their first, their first, first exposure 
to the topic of like suicide or sex or pornography happens online. And so their beliefs around those subjects start to become the standards that are put forth from these toxic online places. Yeah. Well, well, an interesting thing that I have my next, I have my next book comes out in February. It's called raising healthy teenagers, equipping your child to navigate the pitfalls and dangers of teen life. And I go into every single obstacle that kids are confronted with nowadays, not just screen time, but a lot more like a child, that'll obesity, substance abuse, college stuff, school stuff. And, um, you know, and I had during my research when I was writing the book, you know, one, one thing I noticed anecdotally at my private practice is an incredible amount of, uh, of kids with oppositional defiant disorder. You know, yes, ODD. Dude, so much of that it's in my tough. school right now. It's crazy. Crazy. So, so th- through my research, what I discovered is it's kind of twofold, all right? So what are kids, even adults, exposed to all day, right? So every single thing's caught on camera now in our society. We all have a camera in our pockets. Every street corner has a pocket. So every violent, terrible thing that happens in society is now caught on camera. Is, it goes to the mainstream media, funnels right to... Uh, the armpit of the of the mainstream media called social media and now goes directly into our kids minds and mm. they see this stuff and they become desensitized to it to this yep. you know misbehavior right that's part one part two like i mentioned earlier is um you know when these apps video games and so forth they are designed to target the pleasure-seeking part of the brain that produces dopamine mm-hmm. dopamine is is what is tied to every form of addiction right. so our kids are getting overloads of dopamine every single day right and what happens now when when mom or dad comes in and takes the phone or the video game system away what's I mean, the reaction uh, tantrums some kids the I tantrum mean, craziness right yeah so yeah, yeah. that's part of this oppositional defiant behavior as well right but uh, i see it all the time you know take the, take the kid's phone away and the kid goes literally berserk and oh yeah that are- i've seen kids admitted to the er for a suicide attempt after mom and dad take a phone or a wheel away yeah yeah, right. But it goes to show you. So all of this stuff, you know, just is we see it's like, the, you know, society is like, you know, hell on wheels. And, um, you know, and it's because of where, where are we? Where are our kids? They're spending more time than any other life activity immersed in a cyber world, not in a real world. And you oh, want to yeah. know what thought is? I'm going to share for your audience right now. What, if people want to become a mental master. All right. I'm going to just chunk it down very simply. Anybody listening right now, take a breath of air right now. All right, you just took a breath of air. The other 10,000 breaths of air you took today, you didn't even know you took them. The very fact that you just took that breath of air means that you were conscious and you were present. And if you could remain in that conscious present state as often as you can, which is going to take a lot of practice, you're now a thinker. You're actually thinking with your own mind instead of your own mind thinking for you or being controlled for you. Holy smokes. <laughs> guys we we aren't thinking 90 percent of the time guys we've been conditioned no, to be thought we are we are the yeah, ones being thought we're just yeah we're just roaming you know like like just like these beings you know we're not we're not we're like like so speaking of beings we're human beings right we're supposed to just be right to sit with our thoughts to direct our thoughts to visualize to think of what we're grateful for and so forth you know we've become human doings we're constantly right. doing you know, and we need oh to gosh. be returned to human beings. Being Man, present. yeah, like it's okay to be bored. Like actually boredom fosters creativity. That's when the greatest innovations are created is when people are bored, when they're when they're with alone and themselves and their thoughts, not when they're constantly bombarded and distracted by things. And so I guess a million yeah. dollar question is how do we reconnect? How do we help our kids reconnect when they're so distracted in this huge digital world right now? 
Yeah. So, you know, speaking of boredom, so, you know, I talk about that in Disconnected. I refer to boredom as the miracle grow for the mind and the emotions. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, you know, how do we get our kids reconnected? It really starts with us, the parents. All right. Mm -hmm. So our kids have to model our behavior. The, mm -hmm. the fact is that adults are spending just as much time on their screens as kids are. And when I talk about my lecture in my lectures, I refer to, you know, yes. like the typical family of four as is not being representative of the definition of family. It's more like four rogue individuals that live under the same roof. Johnny's in his bedroom. Susie's, you know, uh, downstairs in, in some other room on her phone. Mom and dad are doing their own thing. So how do we reconnect our kids? By disconnecting ourselves. Right. And, and enforcing uh you know family time so right now kids mid uh, preteens and teens when they're at home and parents listening right now totally understand what i'm talking about the kids are spending almost all of their time by themselves in their bedrooms okay yep. so yep. when i'm doing my lectures i say bedrooms start with the word bed which means sleep all right and then we have family rooms in our house which starts with the word family so we got to get our kids out of the bedroom and into the family room and establish you know family dinner conversations Yep. Um, I talk about even the car rides to school. You know, if you just, you know, if you drive your kid to school every day, even if it's a five minute ride, there's a, probably a 99% chance that you're, there's no communication between you, you and your child because your kid is on the phone during the ride. Make a rule. No, no phones in the car ride. You know, that doesn't sound like a lot. You know, what's five minutes? Well, you know, 180 days a year driving your kid to school, five, up. 10 minutes each way adds up my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just setting boundaries, having screen free areas of your home, the bedroom mm -hmm. being numero uno. So your screen's not keeping your kids up all night. And 90% of the time when a predator talks to your kid online, it's going to be behind closed doors. Most oh, of yeah. the time, 100%. Yep. And and then the better sleep, all these better things. So no, no screens in the bedroom and then the dinner table, because that's where we learn how to talk. And communicate like we're in the family room, like those places that have something associated with it probably don't have your phone there. The dinner table, <clears throat> not the phone table, the dinner table, the family yeah. room, put the phone yep. in somewhere. My wife, she was a seventh grade teacher for a couple of years and and she, she had a, a, a no phone policy in her classroom. And so um, if a phone was out, she had a little box. It was called uh, the prison of Azkaban because she's a Harry Potter nerd like me. Um, and so at, at every single day, all the phones. All right. In Azkaban. Come on. In Azkaban. Yep. Flip phone. Azkaban. Come on. We're here to learn. Come on. Azkaban. Yeah. That's set great. boundaries, you know, guys. Yeah. You know, part of another thing that people don't realize, and this is a statistic, and I cite it in, in my book. All right. The average parent nowadays, and people are going to like, this is going to raise some eyebrows because you're not going to want to believe this. The average parent nowadays spends just three and a half minutes per week in meaningful conversation with their children. Oh my goodness. Three and a half per week. Three and a half minutes per week in meaningful conversation. Yep. Wow. Holy moly. So just imagine yeah, yeah. if we upped it to just a measly, a measly five minutes a day, what the impact that would make. Yeah. Well, just, well, you know, family, I'll answer that question with the family dinner component, right? So like my generation growing up, every every family, you had dinner together every night, right? It's just the way it was. I understand you know, nowadays it's a little different. We have two parents working, people work longer hours. Mm -hmm. But all of the research shows that families that have, you know, uninterrupted family dinners together most nights of the week, that the children in those families, you ready for this, are more likely to excel at school, are more likely to graduate from college, are less likely to engage in early sexual activity, are less likely to, to develop mental health disorders, are less likely to get divorced, are more likely to have a higher earning potential and successful career. And that's, that goes to show just how important the role is 
between parent and child and actually, you know, being present when in the presence of, of one another. That's crazy. That's crazy. All just from having family dinner. (laughs) So parents, you know, people always asking tips, you know, and the tips are really simple, right? We got to practice what we preach, which means when we're in the presence of our kids, we got to get off our tablets, our phones and so forth and just be with one another. We got to, you know, not not let our kids be on the phones, you know, um, you know, when they're in in, in the car with us going to practice and school and so forth. Right. And we got to keep those darn phones out out of the bedrooms. Those three things right there. Uh, and and as far as video games is concerned, this is one I feel feel strongly about. And when my son was younger, I enforced this: no video games during the school week. Yes. Period. Yes. If your kid is allowed to play video games during the school week, well, what's the only thing they're thinking about all day at school? They can't wait to get home and play video games. That causes them to be distracted in the classroom. And then when they do get home, and if the rule is you got to do your homework first, they're f- blasting through their homework as mm-hmm. fast as they can so they can get to the video game. So it's affecting them academically. If they don't have it. Then they're more likely to, you know, sit there and do their work and you know more effectively and study harder. Yeah. So you talking about that statistic? Um, oh, that reminded me. So that I, I saw a study talking about the w- one of the key indicators or the common common denominators in kids that had really really high ACT and SAT test scores, and it was not a certain study site. It was not a certain internet place. It was not the number of AP classes they had. It was the fact that their parents read books with them at night. When okay. they were kids. Mm-hmm. Reading yeah, with your kid. Like literally guys, it is so crazy. The impact we can have on our kids as parents. Like we think, Oh, like we can't control much. There's so much actually that you can prevent and control by simple acts of just being with your kids. A hundred percent, you know, and, you know, really, I mean, we're in this and, you know, and a lot of parents like, oh, whatever, it's just the way things are nowadays, you know, it's, it's our society we live in, I'm not buying it, you know, it's not, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like this, right? So when I'm doing these lectures, I kind of close it with, I show uh, an image of uh, of a lion in a cage, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And that lion if it was rescued at an early age, right? It can't be released back into the wild because it won't know how to survive in its, quote, natural habitat, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I give that example because if you look at, you know, the, the world we live in, if our children are spending almost all of their waking hours in another planet called cyberspace, right? Yeah. They're, they're not here on planet Earth. So what's going to happen when, you know, when they, you know, graduate school and so forth, and now they have to, you know, they have to enter the real world. How are they going to succeed and thrive in the real world if they've never really lived in it? Man. I mean, really think about that. I hope I'm wrong about that, but it's kind ain't of that, frightening. Ain't, ain't that the truth, though? Like, kids are going to struggle. Yeah. If, if they're going to, oh, they are going right to be. Now. I mean, the, okay, the, not that they are going to struggle. They are struggling <laughs> currently. Yeah, it's already happened. It's already and, happened. And you look at, you know, you look at the younger, you know, 20 something year olds. I mean, just it, a lot of them are really having a hard time, you know, particularly I've, I've noticed a lot of young males, you know, between the ages of like 18 and 25 that, aren't functioning you know they're they're sitting at home smoking weed playing video games they didn't make it through you know for through a semester in college and it's like you know and we're seeing more and more of this and it's and it's kind of frightening yeah so parents we do not mean to scare we mean to help you to prepare i want you guys to think of one change that you can make in your home today whether it be setting screen free zones in your house whether it be talking with your kids at dinner, spending five minutes each day to talk to your kid in meaningful conversation, whatever it may be. I want you to pick one thing that you can change to help your kid be more resilient in this tech heavy world. So Tom, as we wrap up, where can people see what you're up to? Shameless plug time. Let's hear it. Yeah. All right. So my website, which keeps going down by the way, uh, but I think I got it up again. It's tomkirsting.com. 
And then, um, you know, I have all kinds of stuff. Just Google my name. I mean, I've done like, you know, tons of TV appearances on that, you know, regarding this topic and other things. And, you know, and my books, the the next book is available for pre-order. You know, mm-hmm. they could be anywhere books are found, you know, Amazon, Barnes and mm-hmm. Noble, so forth. And Disconnected, yeah. the uh, latest, you know, the, the newer version is called Disconnected. Um, excuse me. It's called uh, Disconnected, How to Protect Our Kids from the Harmful Effects of Device Dependency. That's the second edition. It's the yellow book. But something parents really, if you look at the reviews, it's pretty much, you know, people that write reviews say every parent must read this book. And I agree. Man. So there you go, guys. And all that will be in the podcast description, his website, his social media, a link to his book on Amazon and all the good stuff. Um, And thank you for listening to this week's episode from the Save the Kids podcast. If you want to get this message into your church school event, whatever it may be, you can DM us. You can click on the link in the bio to fill out a speaker form so that we can come and help you guys. Remember, guys, this is bigger than any one person. We need all hands on deck and we need you. So thank you so much for being here today. Always remember, You are wonderful, you are worthy, and you are worth it. Go home and give your kids an eight-second hug, and we'll see you on the next one.